Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, if you're tired of close jazz games and tension-filled games and losses, that was the game for you. Jazz grabbed a 12-point lead in the middle of the first quarter, never trailed. It did get down to one at one point. Uh, But they were up by 30 in the middle of the third quarter. The Jazz dominated Houston Rockets team that was torn to the ground and has to be rebuilt. So that should have been a big, easy win for the Jazz. And it was. Best of the postgame show coming up later in this hour. Joe Ingles with some interesting insight on Jordan Clarkson and... Uh, as far as the discussion PK and I always have about why Joe doesn't shoot more, Quinn Snyder addresses that in more detail than I've heard before. So stay tuned for that. We're going to take a break right now. When we come back, John Beck, former BYU quarterback, now a quarterback coach in Southern California, talking about not just Travis Wilson, but all the quarterbacks at the top of the draft. And he's got an NFL expression that he's going to share with us, and you're going to want to keep it. It's a good one. It's a truth. It's a real truth about the NFL and about really all the pro sports. All right, John Beck next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Join Hanson, Scotty G, and the Big Show Friday. They'll be at the warehouse from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom. Time now to welcome in John Beck, the former BYU quarterback, now a QB coach, training the next generation at 3D QB, and he's worked with Zach Wilson. John, good morning. Welcome back to the show. What's going on, guys? Well, I'm curious about many things, and obviously we have to talk NFL draft and the five quarterbacks at the top and, and your work with, uh, with Zach Wilson. But I'm curious personally first, if I'd gone 25 years ago to 14-year-old John Beck and told him that 39-year-old John Beck, what would have happened to him over the next 25 years and what he's doing now, what would 14-year-old John Beck have thought and said? He just said, no way, because 39-year-old John Beck is going to still be playing in the NFL. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. (laughs) You were on the Tom Brady path. (laughs) That was the plan, but uh, life sometimes doesn't go as you plan. But I'm super grateful for the thing that I do now. I love working with quarterbacks. I love helping mentor these young guys. I feel like, uh, you know, life sometimes is about how you can use the, the, the path that you had to travel. How can you use the experiences you gain to help others and I, I think that's one of the biggest parts I enjoy about my job now. So all these guys, John, obviously had skill. You had it, too. That was abundant in watching you play. And everybody you're working with has it for sure, As they, whether they're going to college or whether they're preparing for the NFL. But from your experience and all that you've been through, because you've been through a lot of highs and lows as an actual player, what separates the ones who are able to not only survive but thrive? Well, the common person, I would say the common fan, calls it the it factor. And that's the, that's the way that they say, oh, well, if he has it, he succeeds. If he doesn't have it, that's probably why they fail, right? And that's, that's probably what most people think. But anybody that's lived it and played it knows it's way more than that because the thing that gets you there is so much of the it factor. The thing that allows you to compete at that level 
and gives you opportunities where coaches say, all right, I think this guy can be our starter. That, those are all, all those it things play into that. The it is really a combination of a lot of things. It's like an equation. So when I look at the guys that make it and don't make it, there's the things that they control and the things that are out of their control. You have to have things out of your control that line up for you. Um, and I can share, I mean, hundreds of stories of just guys and their, their journeys and things that did and did not work out for them and the things that did not work out for them that it was out of their control and made their path difficult. Now, within the things that are within their control, these are things that matter to the person, right? How dedicated really are they? You can look at a person's day and just find out how they shape their schedule. How do they do the things that are going to help them succeed as a quarterback? If they really matter to them, they're making their day about those things. Everything is about improvement to become a quarterback. There's also resilience. There's a lot of guys that have had a lot of success leading up to the NFL, but the, because the NFL is such a crazy journey, and there's a phrase in the NFL that the NFL you go to sleep to may not be the NFL you wake up to. And players know that because there's days that players are told one thing, and that is true when they're told it by a head coach or a general manager, and then the following morning it changes. So you have to be really mentally tough, resilient. You have to be able to battle back. Uh, I, that, that, that's why when I see young quarterbacks uh, kind of working their way up, wanting to be professionals, but they want the path to be just all rosy and, you know, uh, a golden path, I think, no, that's actually not what you want. You want to experience the ups and downs because that's what's going to prepare you for the NFL. And then the other thing you have to do is you just have to have this ultimate belief in yourself no matter what that no matter the circumstances, no matter how many times you've been knocked down, you just have to always believe in yourself. I think those are really three key factors to give yourself the best chance because there's a ton of talented guys. You have to do all the things right, and it doesn't guarantee success, but it at least gives you the best chance for it. So, Zach, is he set up to succeed with the Jets? Are the things that... In his control, I think you would probably tell us he's maximized them. Assuming the Jets take him in number two, do the Jets have the things around him that he can't control that he needs to be successful? So I'm going to start with Zach. To this point, I'm so proud of Zach for all the things that he's done that that are right. Um, He's just tenacious with his approach. He's relentless in the way that he works. He has a great mind for football. He has a great work ethic. He's doing all the right things. What's going to happen now for him is he's going to have to refine that even more because he's used to being the college kid that is just so hungry for football, right? But you have like this other life. You have to be a student. You have to do these other things that kind of give you a little break from football. And I learned this lesson when I jumped into the pros. You like are so hungry for football, but now football becomes your job. You now have to learn how to be a pro where everything is football in your life. Now how do you balance out that like huge desire that you have to be great with also making sure that you learn how to be smart, how to step away, how to disengage? I believe the hardest part for people that are, you can say, gym rats that just soak up ball and they're always thinking it, the hard part is, is when that personality goes to a tough situation and things aren't necessarily going great, it's very hard to turn that part of your mind and your emotions off for a little bit and step away because that type of person is already so invested that, uh, you know, it hurts on the inside when things don't go good. Now, going to the Jets, I think that they're doing everything they can to set up success. Uh, they have a, a really good staff that they put together. I know a lot of the guys on that staff, and they're going to do a lot of great things. And I have to say this, right, if the Jets um, pick Zach, because, you know, nothing's 100% 
done yet. The ticket hasn't been given to the guy at draft. Um, but I think that they're going to try to do everything they possibly can. Now, here's the thing I will say in the NFL, because I experienced it. I've had friends that have experienced it. I believe every team has a plan to help the guy that they pick succeed and be their long-term starter. They're all trying to do that. But the reality of the NFL, like I said before, the NFL you go to bed to is not the one you wake up to. Things happen so fast. They change so much. There's a huge pressure to perform and win. And even though they may pick a guy and believe in that guy wholeheartedly, when that season starts playing out and then things start happening like injuries or coaches start facing heat because the team hasn't won in three, four, five games, right? Then people have to make decisions that a lot of the times it's, it's for their job it's for, or it's for what something like the, the organization feels may be best. And then that's the crazy part of the NFL. At this day and time, I believe if the, if the Jets take Zach, they are going to do everything within their power over the next few years to make him the most successful quarterback he can be. They want him to be the long-term answer there, but they're doing it in the NFL, and that's the crazy part about the circumstances. So uh, I interview a million times when you played quarterback at BYU and I always thought you were sort of like a scientist, you know, you were always trying to discover ways to be successful and you understood the quarterback position deeply. And you also understood that the quarterback's job was to give interviews. And I can recall being down on the practice field, those benches, you would hang out to make sure that everybody who needed you uh, got access to you, and as a, as a writer at that time, I, I greatly appreciated it. And my point for you is, I listened to that uh, podcast you did with Peter King, the NFL journalist, and you were talking about. We all know we heard on the broadcast of traveling down, and you were talking about Zach uh, being uh, he would go deliver food, I think, uh, on his off hours to make some spending money. So I wanted to ask you about the intangibles because it seems like from a distance, from a, from my perspective anyway, Zach. Zach Wilson really wants it and studies it in the way that you did. Is that a fair assessment as you analyze the intangibles that go into everything as far as being successful as an NFL quarterback? Absolutely. I think, um, you know, there's all types of different personalities that are quarterbacks. There's not like one personality that like everybody's trying to be that personality or trying to do it exactly one way to succeed at quarterback. You can succeed at quarterback a lot of different ways, playing styles, personality styles, mindsets. I mean, I can go down the list of guys that are just different from each other, but they're, they, they've all had some degree of success in college football and then on to the NFL. And I can show you guys that have the exact, basically, personality, mindset, decision-making processes as guys that have been largely successful in the NFL, and it's a guy that hasn't. And there's a ton of similarities in their game, in their like in every aspect of it. And sometimes the guy that has, it hasn't worked out for has actually worked harder over the years than the guy that maybe has had a ton of success. So that's why things are crazy, and that's why I always say like you do what you can do to give yourself a chance. And I do believe that Zach Wilson, he has a great mindset, you know, a, a great work ethic. It's been a joy for me, and I've I've, I've just enjoyed my minutes with him, my time with him because. Sometimes, and I don't know if this makes sense to everybody, but it makes sense to me. There are times that sometimes it's crazy, but I almost feel like I'm talking to my younger self. Hmm. And maybe that's why Zach and I feel like we click so well and connect so well, because like, like I can say something in a way that it's like as if I'm giving my 20-year-old self advice on this end, and it like works for Zach, and he totally gets it. And I think that that's why this has been you know, such a good thing, and I'm, I'm, I'm super excited for the future. 
Uh, I do think that for all quarterbacks, there are parts of their makeup that for them they have to have. And I described a little bit in the beginning, but I see it through all the guys. So I'll just use the Greg, the draft class I had this year. So I, I had Zach, I had Justin Fields, I had Kyle Trask, I had KJ Costello. And then the last like month or so, a few weeks, I've had Trey Lance. All of these guys in their own way, I can see the it factor as it pertains to them. They've developed that up to this point in their life. The thing that they have to do is they have to keep refining it. It doesn't guarantee them anything, and that's why it's a refining process. All the experiences that they're going to go to, they're going to go to different teams, and they're all five going to have way different experiences. And those experiences are going to have either a positive or a negative effect on them. When they experience the things that are going to scar them or have a negative effect, that's when they really got to work on themselves. They got to hold strong to that belief in themselves. And then they're going to have to go out and do some extra work on how to deal with it. I don't care who you are. Chad Pennington always said this quote, I don't care who a quarterback is before he gets the scars in the NFL. You show the true quarterback you are after you receive the scars of the NFL. And that's why I say all five of those guys somewhere along the road are going to get them. Uh, it happens. Sometimes it happens year five with guys that have gone to the Super Bowl. And then a year later, they have a struggling season. And then their team is thinking about maybe letting them go. That is tough on guys. I've seen it happen to a number of guys. All these young guys have to do it. But going back to your original question, I do believe that Zach Wilson does so many right things. I believe the way that he has his makeup set right now is putting him in a good place. And then he's going to have to keep working at it. Man, John, you just packed so much information and answers. I, I, my head's spinning. I got like thirty things I want to ask you now. I don't even know where to <laughs> jump. I don't even know where to jump in. The, the fact is, you've worked with so many of these top quarterbacks. Uh, are you surprised to see them being five of the top nine picks? If you were the GMs, would you make them five of the top nine picks? Is there too much emphasis on quarterbacks? Because PK and I have been sitting here saying NFL history tells us that these teams are going to go in on these quarterbacks with these high picks, and at least half of them are going to move on three years later. The Sam Darnold story is very common. And we can go through NFL history. He's just the most recent example. If you went big picture and talked to the GMs about these quarterbacks, what would you say? So this is kind of wild that you're asking me these questions right now. Just last night, I did a podcast for the general manager that drafted me at the Dolphins. And, you know, I thought I knew the total story of how everything worked out. And it's crazy for me. What was that now? Like 15 years ago, I got drafted, something like that. And I can remember, like, feeling, like, just, like, dumped on my head, like, you know, whatever the date was, April 27th or 29th, whatever it was of 2007, I get picked to be that team's quarterback. And when they fly me to the facility that next morning, they sit me down and say, you are our guy for the future. Here is our plan for you to be the long-term answer here. And here's what we're going to do. And I remember them, you know, playing all that out. And it was awesome. It felt great, right? And what was it? Seven months later, eight months later, the entire building is fired. The owner sells the team. I mean, everybody just gets dumped on their heads. And I thought I knew the whole story. And I had a chance after the podcast ended, we got back on the phone. And as I was driving home, he and I were talking and he was telling me all these things that were happening behind the scenes. I had no clue. And this goes way deeper than me. This goes way back to Nick Saban, Drew Brees. This goes beyond just Bill Parcells coming to the Dolphins. I mean, this stretches so many different ways. And it was eye-opening for me to like 15 years later, hear all of these things. And it was just like, holy cow. What I thought was things out of my control has now just been magnified 10 more times if things are out of my control. You're absolutely right. All of these guys that I've helped, they're all going to land different situations. And the, the history of the NFL shows 
only a couple of these guys are probably going to have a chance at the success that they are working towards. I do believe when I see all of these guys, I can give comps to all of them of guys that have been successful. And at the same time, I can give comps to all of them of guys that by NFL terms have not been successful. Right. And that's the tough part about this game. Um, I've seen receivers. I've seen linemen. I've seen tight ends. I've seen so many guys. I've seen guys that have insane potential. And then everybody goes, what happened to that guy after college? Man, he was unbelievable in college. And I can sit there and show you coaching changes, receiver coaching changes, scheme changes, injuries, all these different things. And, oh, wow, now I see why that was tough for that guy. And I can see how that happened. And in the key moment when he needed something to go good, the poor guy got injured. Or they fired the coordinator that brought that guy there. And then this new guy gets named the guy, and he just whitewashes the place. Had that coordinator stayed, he had a plan for that guy. So it's crazy. Um, I think there are better fits, of course, for everybody. If you could hand pick, that would be more like what you get to do in college, right? The NFL draft is not a recruiting process. Uh, a lot of people come out of college having gone through a recruiting process and feeling like they want the same thing. You are not a recruit, and you do not get to pick which team you play for. They pick you, and that can sometimes be the greatest fortune you have, and that can sometimes be the most unfortunate thing that happens to you in your life. That's why I say resilience. When I talk to my guys, it's a muscle that you have to constantly be working. And that's why I say, and I think I said this a year plus ago on an interview with Ben Criddle, people were wondering, well, should Zach Wilson be the BYU quarterback? He had all these you know, ups and downs as a sophomore, and I just don't know if we can count on him to be the guy. In my mind, I was thinking, little do you people know how much those ups and downs are going to help this kid for his future, not only for college football, but he's going to go play in the NFL. That's how talented he is. What round he goes to, we can't determine that. But he's a talented enough player to go to the NFL. And you want to have gone through those ups and downs before you get there. Otherwise, it's a swift kick to the groin, as hard as can be, and you're on your knees barely breathing. <laughs> so you better be ready for the ups and downs. You better be flexing that, that resilient muscle so you can make it. Appreciate that description, John. That was well said uh, as far as that goes. <laughs> Are you so, talking about the swift kick to the growing? That was exactly. Great Everybody just kind of cringed a little bit in their cars. Yes, uh, precisely. <laughs> you know exactly what we're talking about. Uh, so we know that Zach was working with you while he was in college, and now he's going to move on to the NFL. BYU fans, uh, the quarterback job is open. Uh, if you're working with somebody who's on the in the competition right now, who is it, if you are? And then what do you think of that quarterback or quarterback? Maybe you're working with multiple. I don't know. Well, things are in the initial stages, right? So I don't want to be the one that comes out and kind of says that because I also don't want people to assume anything or, you know, think anything. I'm, I'm sure in its own due time, um, it'll come out. I, you know, um, when I was working really hard to help Zach, it meant a lot to me to help Zach because I met him as an 18-year-old kid. Something that I feel when I'm around these guys that demonstrate the, the mindset and the work ethic that Zach had was, it just reminds me of a dream, right? I think there's a lot of boys and girls where, like, uh, it's something about in their nature where they can feel that dream at a young age, right? And they're very motivated and they want to get there. And as, as a coach, I can sense that. And, you know, you're not wrong if, if you don't have that during your teenage years. You know, there's nothing wrong with figuring it out a little bit later in life. But I am very passionate about people when they have a vision. And when I can see that someone has a vision, at this stage in my life, I'm there to help them. You know, 15 years ago, it was about me chasing my own one. But I, I, I love that when I see somebody that has a vision. And to be able to help somebody that plays at the very university that I played at, BYU meant a lot to me. Uh, I got there at a time when it was rough, right? And I can remember when I made that commitment, I had a lot of people close to me that wondered, why the crap would you go there? 
like that place is like spiraling downward and you have these other universities that are in way bigger conferences. Um, and you can like, if you win in that conference, you get to go play in the Rose bowl. Like where does the mountain West send you? But you know, there was something that felt right about it. And uh, I did not know how difficult it was going to be and how tough it is to lift something up that is in a tough place. But I look back now uh, as those are some of the most memorable times of my life. I love the work that I put in every single day on that field with those mountains right there. I love the challenges with my teammates. I miss my, that time with my teammates. I got to go to dinner with all my linemen when I came out for the pro day. Such a great memory to look back at the things you accomplished. So when I have an opportunity to work with a BYU quarterback, it means so much to me because it's helping the program. That university is a very, very special place. So, yes, I love when a, when a, like a BYU quarterback reaches out, and there is somebody that's reached out, and I do want to help him the most I possibly can, and I'm sure in his due time it'll come out. But I also don't want to set any expectations. Zach Wilson did something amazing. Nobody would have been able to foresee that he, this kid was going to go be in the number two pick potentially in the draft, right? Uh, eight months ago, everybody was wondering if he was going to be the starter at BYU. I love Zach's story. I would love to help somebody else with their, with their story, but it's, it's probably not going to look the exact same. But the thing that can look the same is the hard work, the dedication, the sacrifice, the downs. When that person you know, worked his butt off and didn't get a win and maybe missed something in the game or is looking back and finding a way to get better, to me, that's the awesome part of the journey that I, I miss as a player, but I love helping people without now. And uh, you know, hopefully the work that this quarterback and I put in over the next few years really helps him accomplish something great probably is not going to look exactly like Zach's but for him and his story I hope it's something amazing because if he's doing that the university gets to enjoy another special season and that means a lot to me as well so I, I could easily talk to you for another hour. I have so many things I want to run by you. But PK and I have been talking about uh, the name, image, and likeness and the money that kids in college are going to be able to make off of that, especially the high-profile guys, which obviously is quarterbacks. Going back to your swift kick to the groin and things are going to go wrong and it is going to be humbling and it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt your ego and your pride and your confidence. The name, image, and likeness and the money that um, a hot prospect can get even as they step on campus for the very first time before the very first practice, is that going to make it harder for some kids to succeed as quarterbacks? Is this going to be, as much as it sounds like a positive, is it end up going to be a negative and a hurdle? I think there will absolutely be drawbacks from it and negatives to it. Um, nowadays, I think it's unfortunate, but uh, there's a lot of me stuff going on. Um, and I think as I try to – I'm going to say this as a parent, okay? When I watch the world around my boys, I see a lot of people turning the phone on themselves, right? I can't tell you how many times at the beach here in Southern California, I'm out there and I just see pe- people's phones turned back towards themselves, Right. And uh, I get concerned because, yes, you have to take care of yourself. Yes, you have to care about yourself enough and you got to believe in yourself. But if you lack that that thing inside you that's looking out for others because you're too concerned with yourself, you're missing out on some of the best things in life. You're going to miss out on some of those connections, like some of the best joys of my time at BYU are those times like I just described with my teammates. Well, if I'm so focused on myself and the money that I can make, Am I truly connecting with my teammates like I need to? Because that is so much of the separating factor between a great team and an average team. It's that, it's that culture that's built within the players. And I do have worries that if guys go to a school, they may pick schools based on what they're being told they can personally make during their time there. You know, I wonder what type of people are going to turn into, hey, you can hire me 
and I can be the one that makes you money while you're in college, right? You may have these families, these recruits that may say, or even universities that may say, we can line you up with this person if you come to this school and they will help you make this much money during your four to five years while you're here. And that can end up being a recruiting thing. And if a guy's choosing college football because of how much money he can make, college football will change. There's something great about college football that I hope gets protected. And, you know, hey, I think it's good for guys to make money. I'm going to say that as well. You invest so much time as a player, you do not have the time to go out and get a full-time job. And you're working extremely hard. And I shouldn't say you don't have time. It's all based upon what you choose, right? There are guys that can have a a steady job while they're a football player. But I will say those guys are going to have a hard time finding time to make the sacrifice to be the best football player they can be. The guys that are prioritizing football, making that a huge, huge part of them trying to become a professional, it's going to be very hard for them to find time to make good money. So I do think it's a good thing to give guys an opportunity to make some money. Um, Also, while they're doing so much for the university, I don't think it's a bad thing because of what they're doing that they get to, you know, kind of be rewarded a little bit. I do worry in the recruiting process, and I do worry about the mindset. I do worry about a generation where there's a lot of entitlement. Are there going to be some kids that feel entitled to a certain amount of money, and they feel gypped if they went to a school and they're not getting the money that they thought they were going to get while they're at that school? What type of attitude are they going to have on the practice field, in the locker room, in the meeting rooms? That could be a drawback, and like I said, I hope the things that are great about college football get protected. I hope this change is not one of those things that hurts it. John, you're welcome back anytime. You probably got better things to do than talk to us, but we love having you on. (laughs) Uh, You guys are good. Thanks, John. We appreciate it. Yeah, you guys are welcome. We'll see you. There's John Beck. When we come back, the best of the Jazz postgame show is the Jazz Thrash the Rockets. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz with a blowout win over the Houston Rockets. Why does Joe Ingles' stat line get so much better when Donovan Mitchell or Mike Conley is out? Coach Quinn Snyder is going to address that. And Joe with some interesting insight into Jordan Clarkson. Here's the best of the postgame show. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jazz won last night over the Rockets, 112-89. to Jordan Clarkson led the way with 22 points. Coming in off the bench, Joe Ingles, another terrific performance from Joe. 21 points, 7-11 shooting, 6 of 10 from 3, 6 rebounds and 4 assists. Stay tuned uh, later in the morning, uh, the Joe Ingles show with uh, DJ and PK coming up as uh, it does on Thursdays. Can't miss radio. Of course, Rudy Gobert with 19 points, 18 rebounds, go along with two block shots last night. Mike Conley, 11 points, 13 assists. Mike Conley has now had 10-plus assists in four consecutive games. First time in his whole career he's done that. So pretty impressive stuff from Mike Conley. George Niang with 13 coming in off the bench. Uh, the Rockets uh, did not have a terrific performance, not a lot of resistance. Uh, 21 points from John Wall, but the Rockets uh, shot just 35% from the field, 20% from three, 10 of 49 as uh, the Jazz win going away. Let's uh, get going with the post-game sound. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Hi, coach. We'll get started with a question from Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. 
Hey, Coach, what did this one show you about your team's mental readiness uh, to come in and take care of business like you guys did tonight? Well, you know, I think we've got a team that, you know, for the most part is, is focused. Um, there's always certain games in a 72 game season um, where that gets challenged. Um, but I thought tonight, you know, the way that we began the game and we continued to play that way, um, saw the ball move. And one of the biggest things was, you know, us getting back in transition. And, you know, we did a pretty good job of that, particularly early. And you know, when we can do that and make people play against us in half court, that's obviously a big deal for us. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Quinn, Mike and Rudy lead the NBA in plus minus. They had big plus minus numbers tonight. What is it about that combination of those two guys on the floor together that's led them to outscore opponents as much as they have? Well, it starts with the fact that they're both really good players. Um, and I think you know, one of the things going back to last year that, you know, I've mentioned a number of times is it takes time for guys to find synergy playing. And we mentioned that with, you know, Mike, when he was playing in Memphis, um, you know, playing with Mark, who's a great player, um, but a different player than Rudy and those guys getting, getting, you know, finding that continuity together and, I think the more they've played together, they get, you know, they get to know each other and, um, you know, you enjoy playing with someone like that, that they're making plays for each other. Tony Jones, The Athletic. Coach, what, what do you want to see from, from Bojan? Just, you know, just overall about his process going into last uh, few games of the regular season and, and, and the playoffs? I want to see him do just what he did tonight. You know, I want to see him be aggressive with his shot. He's six eight, and you know, even if it's contested, you know, there's there's times when he can get that shot off, and there's other times when you know he'll shot fake and make a read. You know, I think as he as he attacks the basket, um, he's capable of of making plays, and the more he continues to get in there and make reads about whether he's going to finish or whether he's going to kick it out. Um, I think he'll find himself getting to the foul line. Um, but really the biggest thing that I think he's focused on, um, we can get obsessed about offense and that's what we talk about the most. And, you know, Royce had 14 rebounds tonight. You know, I saw Boyan mixing it up on the boards and that that's going to be one of the biggest things for our team going into the playoffs. He's going to take shots. He's going to make shots. Um, some nights he's going to make more than others, but the things that he needs to do to help our team win um, are the things that he did tonight where he was aggressive on the defensive glass and getting hits and, and keeping his man or other people off, off the defensive boards. And when we can do that and we can get out and transition and run, you know, good things happen for all of us offensively. Dana Green, ABC4. Quinn, when games that kind of get out of hand like this, um, do you have a target score, target time of the game where time to take the, the regulars out and give the younger guys uh, a run? Or is it just kind of a feel game to game? Well, it, it's interesting because, you know, you have all, you know, there, there's math that tells you about win probabilities. Um, but what those things don't take into account is particular lineups, um, who you're playing, 
um, who's in the game for the other team. Um, you know, you can win a game. You can be, you know, up 20 and win a game by four points. Um, you still win the game. Um, but at the same time, the, the game feels different. So we want to give our young guys a chance to play. I think it's important for them. You know, if we can get them some sort of continuity where they're playing more than just a few minutes at the end of the game, we want to do that. Um, you know, it's good for them from an experience standpoint. And you also, you know, you also want guys to play with other players that are in rotation. So, um, you know, kind of clearing the bench, so to speak, oftentimes isn't the best way to get those guys experience because when you do need them, you know, by and large, they're going to be in um, with other rotational players. So having the opportunity to, you know, have those guys get those types of minutes, I think is as much as important as, as the minutes themselves, you know, although um, that's important. And you're, you're always conscious of, of the obvious, you know, which is rest and health. Um, but oftentimes those are things that, you know, from a probability standpoint, um, you don't have um, control over. And it's always um, unfortunate when you know, certain things happen at various points in the game, and you're aware of that. Um, but, but as you said, by and large, it's, you know, it's feel, but it's feel that's dictated by, you know, a collection of factors. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Quinn, Joe always tells us he doesn't care whether he comes off the bench or whether he starts, but in these games where he has filled in for Don or Mike or whoever, is there anything functionally different about his game or is his increased production just purely the result of him getting some extra minutes? Um, you know, dating back to last year, I don't, I think Joe is consistent in what he said about that. I, I think the way that it was talked about was very different um, because of the way that he started the year. If he's shooting 49% from the three point line, um, you know, that's a good thing. And I think part of that is, you know, Joe's fresh right now and some of it's dictated with matchups. You know, I, I think when he does come in the game, you know, sometimes if your your minutes are less limited um, or more limited, I should say, you know, you, you have less of a tendency to pace yourself. Um, but I don't think right now, Joe, coming off the bench or, or starting is really dictating how he's playing. He's playing a certain way. Um, and, and regardless of, you know, whether he's starting or finishing, um, or playing in the middle of the game, but a lot of those things have to do with combinations. Um, and I just, I just want him to play a certain way. And that's the way that he's been playing. You know, oftentimes when Joe's the most effective is, is when he's really focused on his defense and there's been a lot of times and he'll tell you more than anybody where, you know, people have been telling him to shoot and, it's easier said than done um, because we're not out there and, you know, you don't have someone flying at you, but I think his aggressiveness shooting the ball um, has been consistent in, in either respect. But um, to your point, any, any time that, you know, certain players are out, be it Donovan or Mike or, you know, Fave, JC was out for a few games that, you know, guys feel that and they understand that, you know, oftentimes their productivity, um, you know, they need to be more aggressive because those are shots. It just comes down to usage. Um, but Joe can have a great game, you know, and take 10 shots and have eight assists. He, he can have a great game and, you know, 
take 15 shots and have four assists. I, I think the thing that he's done the best is really he, he's been able to adjust to those situations, not just starting or coming off the bench. I think that's, you know, that that's an oversimplification of the situation for Joe. Um, I'm not saying that that isn't real because I, I definitely think it is. Um, but part of his maturity as a player has been his ability to, to do both those things and, and play the same way, just to, to have it dictated by the game. Last question, Sarah Todd, Desert News. Quinn, you mentioned Boyan keeping his guys off the glass. Um, and we see Jordan do that a lot too, boxing out really hard, even though he might not be getting the board. How important is it for, you know, both of those guys, even though they might not like reap the rewards of it, but to be able to get out and run? It, it's huge. You know, I, I don't think we can underestimate it, particularly when Rudy's contesting shots. Um, usually there's somebody under the glass that's bigger than us. And our ability to recognize those situations very quickly um, and not get pushed under the boards. You know, for us, sometimes that takes two guys. Um, someone's got to, you know, block them out from the front and someone's got to wedge them from the back. And, you know, that's just a mindset that we need. And, you know, particularly some of the rebounds that maybe aren't as obvious that, that get tipped um, and someone else comes up with it, that, that type of, kind of gang rebounding mentality is, is crucial to, you know, our success as a team. There's Coach Snyder. Jazz win 112-89 last night over the Houston Rockets. Let's get into the player sound. Let's start things off with Joe Ingles. Hey, Joe. Can you hear me okay? Uh, yeah, I can. I'm trying to figure out how to change my background so I can have something cool. <laughs> All right. While you do that, we'll get started with Tony Jones, the athletic. Hey, Joe. Um what, um, you know, how important for, for you guys, if you guys are going to get to where you want to go, how important, you know, is Boyan's um, process going to be uh, just heading down the stretch and, and heading into the playoffs? Um, I missed the middle part of that. You said uh, how important is it going to be? If you guys are going to get to where you want to go, you know, which is your ultimate goal, how important is Boyan going to be to you guys and what you guys do uh, collectively as a team? Oh, that's the part I miss, boy. Um, yeah, I mean, extremely important. Um, it's, he's obviously a massive part of our team um, and what he does and what he brings to our group. Um, I think, like, for all of us, the most frustrating part is when he's not shooting it. We, <laughs> we all want him to shoot it probably more than he wants to shoot it um, at, at times. So, um, I think for all of us, we, we're figuring out different things along the way. Um he had that kind of one little rough patch where, where he wasn't making some shots. And I think the the hesitation he had almost was, was probably more frustrating for us. Cause we, like I said, we want him to shoot the ball. We want him to be aggressive. Um, when he's pulling that, that three in transition where we can get a kick ahead and stuff like that. It's, it's a really good shot for him, but it's a really good shot for our team as well. So, um, yeah, we need him to be aggressive, um, on both ends of the floor. um, and I think more re obviously more recently he's been he's been making those shots he's he's been getting downhill um, finishing I think he even he even attempted a couple of dunks which was nice so um, yeah huge huge part of what we do and um, yeah we'll we'll keep him uh, I'll make sure he keeps shooting the ball Ryan Miller KSL. 
Hey, Joe, um, according to Vegas, you and Jordan have the best two odds for six man of the year. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? And have you, how have you guys kind of helped each other elevate each other's game this season? If it's got anything to do with Vegas and JC, I think he's got a good chance of winning it because uh, that's a good combination, those two. Um, I've never in my life, um, definitely not the last couple of years coming off the bench, um, honestly thought about it. Um, it's, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he does. I don't think he, I, don't, I mean, we've never honestly had a conversation about it or talked about it. He's never talked about it. Um, uh, at least not in front of our, our group or anything. Um, obviously, if you're, you're leading the race for it, there's probably people telling you that. Um, but I don't think it – I mean, I can tell you it doesn't affect me or, or my thought going into a game. I would, I would be pretty confident saying the same thing for JC. And um, I mean, we take – I said it the other the day or week or so to someone else that uh, – we. I mean, we take pride in our roles coming off the bench. I, I think – um, he's done it, I think, more or less his whole career. I think he said he started one year in LA, maybe a, a little bit there, but but his whole career has been that. Mine's been a bit of both. Everywhere I've played, I've um, kind of mixed in and out. Um, but, but we take pride in what we bring off the bench for, for this group and for this team. I think um, Fave and I coming in at that kind of seven, eight-minute mark, whenever it is, take pride in that. And, and we know when JC's coming in, we're going to get him going and, um, I think we play well together. I think we help each other. I think we kind of complement each other well. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's fun out there playing with him. Um, I used to actually like think he was hilarious to watch when I played against him, just this, this how aggressive he is. And um, he's just always, kind of always, regardless of who's out there, how he's shooting, if he's shooting really well, if he's 0 for 10, he, he plays the same way. And um, it's... Uh, it's an honor to be teammates with him. I, uh, he's a hell of a teammate. I told you that. You guys should try and spend a weekend with him. He's a hell of a dude. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Joe, does having, does knowing that your leading scorer in Donovan is going to be out for a week, does that change how anyone approaches the game in terms of maybe I need to be a little more aggressive taking shots or maybe I need to, you know, make sure that I'm looking to set up somebody else? Is is there any kind of tangible impact just in terms of how you guys approach the game plan knowing that he's out? Um, not, not really. Uh, I feel like, I, don't know, I mean, I... I'm confident saying it. We, we, we try and play the same way every night, regardless of who's in and out. I think um, obviously with a, a guy of Donovan's talent and, and how important to our team is, we, we obviously miss him out there. Um, we've, we've done a, a good job this, this trip of, of obviously just kind of picking up the pieces a little bit. He's a, like I said, he's a, he's a massive part of what we do. There's no underlying or, or trying to get around that. And we're going to obviously, um, welcome him back <laughs> with uh, with open arms, but um, yeah, I think it's just uh, everyone realizes what what he brings to our team and what he does for our team. Um, so we all know we've we've got to kind of step up. I don't think it's no one's sitting there saying, "Hey, it's on Mike or it's on JC or it's on me or wh- whoever, um, whatever name you want to throw out there." We we all know as a collective group, um, and we've been through. I mean, a lot in my career here at the Jazz, but the last couple of years with. Um, with, with different guys, Mike last year a little bit, Boyan in the bubble. I missed a few games early on in the year. We've we've all missed games at some point, and we 
have kind of kind of figure it out a little bit along the way. Obviously, like I said, Donovan is such a, a big part of our group that you've um, a little bit we've got to kind of figure it out on on the fly because he doesn't miss many games at all. So, um, yeah, I mean it's it's a collective effort. I think our team takes pride in. Um, I don't know what anyone said or what you guys said or if there was a chance that we weren't going to win games or it was going to be tougher, but we take pride in someone stepping, like someone's out and, and we have to um, kind of all step up and, and play better. So, um, yeah, can't wait to have him back. Means I get to play three or four extra less minutes. Stay fresh. Last question, Dana Green, ABC4. Joe, uh, Mike yeah, and I don't have to do media. That's the best part. When Donovan's back, I don't have to do this. <laughs> well, one more for you. Uh, Mike was a plus 46. Rudy was a plus 44. You were only a plus 15. Does that show how meaningless that stat is or, or what happened there? I think they play harder when I'm out there. They told me that they try and get the plus minus up when I'm out. So I look bad, um, which is incredibly selfish of our guys. But um, oh, I... Like, if you want my real honest opinion, I really couldn't give a enter word of choice. Um, yeah, I mean, I did. You know, I mean, it, it obviously shows the impact those guys have on the game. I think there's no question in, oh, I don't know if it's a pointless stat or not. Like, uh, that's for the Twitter world to uh, have a conversation about. But, yeah, I mean, it, if you tell me something like that, it, man, the number that that is, that's pretty ridiculously high number. So um, it shows the impact those guys have um, for sure. It's, if you said plus 10 or 15 or whatever it is, I think that's just kind of, that's the number you usually see, give or take. Um, but if you're in the 40s, that's, that's pretty impressive. So um, I don't know who or if anyone looks at that or people – I don't know. Is it a real, is, do people really take that to, you guys know more than I do. If someone's probably written an article on it, I know Andy's written some silly article on bloody plus minus or something. Um, no, I don't, I, I don't know. It doesn't, I couldn't care. Like, if, we, if we win the game and I'm minus whatever, like as long as we win, I'm, I'm cool. So I, like I said, I think it shows the impact those guys have for, for sure. Um, I couldn't care less about mine, but if they did talk about trying to keep mine down, then that's really selfish of them. That's Joe Ingles, 21.6 boards, four assists. Stay tuned to DJ and PK. Joe Ingles' show coming up should be in the 8 o'clock hour, uh, late in the 8 o'clock hour. Stay tuned for that. Let's move on now and hear from Mike Conley. All right, we'll get started with Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Uh, hey, Mike, uh, I want to talk just about the plus and minus with you and Rudy tonight, I think 44 and then 46. I mean, Coach Quinn Snyder just credited, number one, how good you guys are, but also number two, the continuity. Um, where is that continuity at? How would you best describe that? What is that synergy like on the court together now compared to you know what it once was? Well, um, you know, I think – we've learned each other's games uh, so well over the time we've had over the last year and a half. And, um, you know, with me getting a little bit more comfortable uh, in the offense and, um, and defensively to quite frankly, you know, me being able to, to, you know, give a little bit more on that end. I think he really enjoys that. And it, it kind of gets him going on the offensive end. It gets him running harder, uh, gets him setting harder screens and rolling, knowing that, 
Um, you know, I'm looking to make a play. I'm looking for him every time I come down. I'm looking to throw the lob. I'm looking for guys in the corner. So, you know, he just he just really feeds well off of, um, you know, just, just the unselfish nature that we have together. Dana Green, ABC4. Mike, what is this uh, team learning about itself w- playing without Donovan, winning without Donovan these last two games and playing really well these last two games? You know, well, you know, obviously with Donovan out, um, we're going to rely on a lot of a lot of different guys, you know, new faces, new roles. Um, you know, offense is going to be running a little differently. Defense is going to run a little differently. So um, we're just learning that we're, you know, we're a deep team. And we're able to be resilient through, you know, any highs and lows, through injuries, through um, guys with, you know, extended minutes, um, guys in, in new, new roles, new positions. So um, just just proud of the way we've been able to, you know, continue to be aggressive, continue to keep our mindset defensively, uh, knowing that we're getting, we're missing our, our main guy. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Mike, along those lines, pretty much anytime anyone from the backcourt has been out this year, whether it's you or Don or uh, JC missing those few games, we've seen Joe kind of have to step up his role a little bit. Um, what have you seen out of him? Does his approach change at all in terms of being more aggressive or is it just kind of him doing the same old thing and just having more minutes to do it in? You know, I, I was joking with Joe the other day that he, you know, when I'm out the game and, and I'm not playing, he goes for 30 and 40 points and has these phenomenal shooting nights and just looks all world. And when I come back, he doesn't shoot it at all. So um, we made it a point the last few games that now that we're playing together to make sure that he continues to stay aggressive regardless of who's on the court. And um, he's just done a great job of finding his spots. I mean, he's shooting the ball so well and so confident when he does. And, uh, you know, he has all the confidence of, of every one of us, his teammates, to go out there and make plays. And he's fun to watch, honestly. So um, just, just, just fun to be a part of uh, the journey with him. Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. <laughs> Mike, you're not really a huge assist guy kind of historically throughout your career, but you have like 50 over your last four games. What are you seeing differently that's allowing for that? Um, you know, I've never really been a part of a team like this in my career. So uh, this is a unique situation. I think guys are shooting the ball so well. There's a lot of space uh, with Rudy setting screens and rolling. Um, I've got a lot of options and, you know, I think it's different, obviously, with Donovan out. Uh, you know, I just have the ball a little bit more. So uh, I'm able to just, you know, kind of dissect and, and play the game and, you know, be the man I know I can be. And um, and that's the credit to our team and the coaching staff and the system. So I'm just, you know, just trying to play within that game. There is Mike Conley, 11 points, 13 assists for Mike. Again, his fourth consecutive game with 10-plus assists uh, for Mike Conley. Let's now wrap up the player sound with Boyan Bogdanovich. Hey, Boyan, we'll get started with Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Hey, Bogey, Coach was praising your aggression on the defensive glass. How much has that become more of a focal point for you? That was big time. I ended the game with zero rebounds, so... <laughs> 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 no, no, I was guarding the, the Kelly Linux big guy, so I was trying to box him out so he don't get any, any offensive boards. And then our, our guards and, and, and Rudy did a great job cleaning the glass and, and getting us to early, early transition and easy points. Tony Jones, The Athletic. Boyan, what is your focus individually 
uh, just on your process going into the stretch run of the regular season and heading into the playoffs? I just gotta gotta be ready. Try to work more on my on my shot, on my, on my three points, or when it's when it's come to the to the line in the playoffs to be to be able to to hit those big shots. And then again, I didn't have a didn't have a great game, but it was easy easy team win. So so just be be aggressive, especially when when Donovan is out right now to get my to get my game. Game back to be ready, like I said, in, uh, in the big moments in playoffs. Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Bouillon, can you feel that, you know, the season is winding down? Are you feeling like the playoffs are right around the corner and it's time to, you know, start thinking about it and preparing for that? I mean, we are still fighting for the for number one spot. So we are, we are still far, far away from, uh, from a player, there's a lot of teams that they are they already kind of know where they're gonna end up, and they are kind of more preparing for the playoffs. But we are still still fighting for for something. So we know that that the playoffs is around the corner. So the most important for us is is to stay healthy and get get Donovan back. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Well, I'm knowing that. Don is out of the lineup and you know you're missing a guy who's been one of the hottest scorers in the NBA does that change how the rest of you guys kind of approach what you do out there does that put any more pressure on you to take shots do you see any difference in how Joe or Mike approach the game no I thought I thought it's gonna be different but we are really playing playing great basketball moving the ball every other day we are ending up like with five six players with the same same number of shots so we are keep playing like we played with the, with the Donovan in the lineup, and I think that that's why we are we are playing good basketball and we are successful even even without our best player and our leader out out with injury. Last one, follow up from Sarah Todd. Well, Jan, um, you know, you mentioned fighting for that number one spot, and in years past, you would have known that that would, have, you know, who maybe would have been in the eight seed, or it would have just been a couple teams. But now, whether you guys are one or two, it could be four or five, six teams down there because of the play-in tournament. Have you given any thought to what you think about the play-in or what it what it might do for you guys trying to prepare for your opponent? I don't know. We can control who we're gonna play. We're gonna, who we're gonna play against in the playing tournament? All we can control it's our our game and, and, and those 45, 48 minutes that we are we are in. I mean, we wanna we wanna lock in in the first place. So we got a we got a home court advantage to the, till the end because we are not here to to get out in the, in, the, in the first round or second round. We are here to to win it all, and and, and that's why we are fighting for. For the prize. There's Boyan Bogdanovich. He had 14 points and four assists. The Jazz are now 44 and 15 on the season. Uh, the Suns won last night over the Sixers, so the Jazz still a game and a half up on the Suns in the Western Conference. Up next, the Utah Jazz take on the Minnesota Timberwolves at Vivint Arena coming up on Saturday night. That game will tip off at 7. Pre-game will begin at 6. There's the best of the post-game show. When we come back, what is trending? The Suns do it again. Embiid did everything he could to prevent it. It would have been awesome if he pulled it off. We'll get to that next. Stay with us.